Welcome to the Wisconsin Football Coaches Podcast with your hosts, Tom Swiddle, Tom Yashinsky, and Paul Navinsky. Now let's join the guy. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association Podcast. I'm Tom Swiddle, head football coach at Wauwatosa East and past president of the WFCA. I am joined by my co-host, Tom Yashinsky, head coach at Onalaska and Northern Vice President of the WFCA, and Paul Navinsky, former coach at Mosinee and a WFCA Hall of Famer. Tom, I've, I've been a part of many end-of-the-year um, school years through, and I'm just wondering, in Onalaska, are you guys uh, sprinting to the finish line or are you guys limping to the finish line at this point? It doesn't matter. One way or another, we're going to get there, so... <laughs> We're, we're making it there. The seniors got eight days left. They're pretty excited. And fall or spring sports are in, in playoff uh, season is right around the corner. So kids are uh, kids are taking care of what they need to take care of. And we're going to make it there. Yeah, it's always a sigh of relief when you get rid of your seniors, isn't it? We, 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 that is we, the truth. We met, many years ago, we did the right thing in Wauwatosa. And we, and we got uh, rid of the seniors a week before everybody else. And it was amazing how that school year ended with not with them not being around. And and Paul, you're a busy man. Every, every time we talk, you've got something going on. So um, what's occupying your time presently? Uh, trout fishing. I, I'm glad Jordan's on because I do fish the Black Earth. Uh, which I hope he can give me some pointers and some hot spots. Uh, so I, I I do a lot of fishing, hunting. Just wrapped up turkey hunting and now into trout fishing. So I I um and I'm into seniors too, but that's senior citizens. <laughs> as I am as well. Uh, I just turned sixty six last week, and I'm still waiting for your your birthday presents, gentlemen. Just so you know. Hey guys, you know, when we started this podcast, when I approached you guys and asked if you wanted to be involved with this thing, um, we had said that we wanted to to talk about what we described as hot topics, right? So, and then we've done that. We, we've covered some really, really important things that have been happening that's been affecting football in the state of Wisconsin. And we're going to do the same thing with this podcast. So we're going to explore the recently passed competitive balance plan by the WIAA membership. And I've done a lot of research and I've talked to people and I've, I've tried to get a handle on, on, you know, how this came about. Um, you know, enrollment has been the only thing that the WIAA has really used for tournament placement. And, you know, generally speaking, the impetus of the competitive balance plan came from a feeling that there's much more than enrollment that goes into um, tournament play. So there's a thought, there's an idea out there that schools, some schools have an inherent advantage over other schools that, I, as I said, goes beyond enrollment. And this is what can um, creates a competitive imbalance among schools. Now, this isn't new. This has been around for a while. The competitive balance plan was introduced in 2014, and that was voted down. So this has been around for, for many years. With this as a backdrop, the WIAA Board of Control created an ad hoc committee in 2021 to look into this. Um, and, you know, for me, when I think of, of competitive balance, when I look at, you know, what is involved in this, I generally uh, always think about the public schools versus the private schools. But obviously, there's there's many other things that have gone into it. 
Um, and so the, the, the ad hoc committee has looked at a lot of different things. This was a comprehensive study on competitive balance. And whatever plan they were going to come up with certainly had to be one that would stand up in court. So with us tonight to make sense of all of this is Jordan Sins, District Administrator at Wisconsin Heights. Jordan was co-chair of the Competitive Balance Committee. Jordan, thank you for joining us. Yeah, good evening. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, Jordan, many times people get involved in things because they have a personal attachment to you. You know, an example, you know, people will run for the school board because they have an ax to grind. They want to change something. What motivated you to be one of the over 200 people who volunteered to be a part of this committee? Yeah, I um, had a great deal of um, just positive thoughts and um, background with, with high school sports. So I was fortunate enough to participate in high school sports um, in the state of Wisconsin and, and be a three-sport athlete and just really enjoyed that experience. And after um, high school, I actually got my, my master's degree uh, right away in sports administration and was an athletic director at uh, Watoma. was lucky enough that uh, Jared Aberderis happened to be going through school at that time. Um, and after I spent some time in Watoma, I was in Merrill and then had uh, Sam Arneson and Paul Jesperson go through high school there. So I was very fortunate. Uh, but really, it started with those experiences as, you know, an athlete, a teacher, a coach, an athletic director, whatever it may be. And then understanding kind of where this issue was at um, at the state level and that it elicited a lot of emotion and a lot of strong feelings. I guess I, I try to be one of uh, those types of people that rather than just sit back and complain about stuff, and, you know, rip on people that are actually trying to do work and are trying to make things better. Uh, I wanted to put my name out there and say, you know what, like, I'm willing to be a part of this. I don't know where it's going to take us or what it's going to lead to. Uh, but but I want to try to help and, and and be a part of a group that comes up with a solution to this problem. So it was really, it was my background in athletics, my appreciation for athletics, and then just wanting to kind of, I, I know this is cliche, but like the notion of servant leadership. Uh, I had no, I had no personal agenda here. I, I wasn't out to get something for myself, my kids, or anybody else. Uh, this was about trying to do what was best for for Wisconsin high school athletics. As I stated, this has been around for a while. This isn't something that just started in 2021, and I don't know the specifics of the 2014 plan that was voted down. Can you can you tell us what the 2014 plan was about? and and how you know it's different from the 2023 plan yeah well the biggest thing um there's certainly uh, some similar elements and so the portion of the 2023 plan that speaks to it's called the tournament performance factor so basically the more successful you are in the tournament um, you accumulate points based on how far you go in the tournament series uh, that element existed in the 2014 plan but what did not exist in the 2014 plan was the ability to appeal a potential promotion for the success factor point. So just for example, I, I know Paul was in Mosinee. Um, Mosinee accumulated enough points with success factor uh, that they would be bumped up, you know, a division. Well, Mosinee in our new plan would have the opportunity to appeal that promotion um, based on certain criteria. In the 2014 plan, there was no appeal. 
if you got bumped up, you got bumped up. It didn't matter, you know, what the circumstances were around uh, that bump up. And then the other difference is in the 2023 plan, it's not just about the performance factor for schools that are successful. There is also an opportunity for schools that historically have struggled and can't win a game, um, you know, in the tournament where they could actually request potentially to move down a division. So like in basketball, you know, we haven't won a tournament game in seven years in D3. We think we'd be a better fit in D4. Um, so they can request that as well. But once again, there are criteria that that request has to be based on. It can't just be like, hey, we want to do this. You have to kind of state your case. Paul? Well, first of all, Tom, uh, you always do a great job and great job with your research. You stole about five or six of my points. Um, Jordan, I have the unfortunate privilege of uh, knowing the artisan guy and the other guy football also. But how did this whole thing work? I mean, this was going on a little bit when COVID was kind of coming out. Did you do Zoom meetings? What did you do and how did the process work? Yeah, well, we did we did both Zoom and in person. So our first meeting uh, was December of 2021. Um, so, you know, about a year and a half ago. And when we started, um, we were typically doing two meetings a month, one meeting in person in Stevens Point uh, that would run from like nine to two-ish. Um, and then we'd also do a Zoom as kind of a follow-up and then to set the table for the next in-person meeting. So by the time we got to the annual meeting this April when it was voted on, uh, our group had met well over 20 times. Uh, we wow. presented uh, at the Athletic Directors Conference. We presented at the um, state convention in January. Uh, the ADs presented at all their area meetings this year. And then the superintendents presented at each of the CESAs actually this year as well. Um, so there was it was a very involved process. Uh, and, you know, I don't even want to guess how many hours uh, we put into this because it was literally probably weeks worth. Uh, by the time it was all said and done with the meetings, the presentations, um, and then all the other things that we tried to put into it. But we really wanted it to be kind of from our group standpoint. Um, the process was was rich. There was a lot of uh, interesting dialogue from time to time. We didn't always agree on everything, uh, but that was the one, I think, part that helped us be successful was no matter what our background was, small school, um, big school, urban, rural, private, public. Um, we were kind of all in this for the same reason. And that was, like I said before, to try to do something positive for high school sports in Wisconsin. Paul? Yeah, I've got a ton of questions, obviously. But when you when you actually met, and I know you had objectives and goals, and to be honest with you, I was shocked that this went through. And I think it went through because it was so thorough. And this is a very thorough plan, but I know you probably looked at Colorado and you looked at some of the other states have you, have, you, have you ever pondered what the idea what Iowa does? You know, I, I'm, honestly, Paul, I'm, I'm struggling to remember just because there was so much throughout the process. But one of the things that we did on the front end is basically we, we looked at other state plans and just like what other plans were out there. And then we assigned uh, people on our committee to then do a, a deep dive into the Ohio plan, the Colorado plan, the Minnesota plan. Um, whatever it may be. And they actually talked to the leaders from the state associations in those states as well. And then we had people from our committee come back and they presented their findings to the whole group. And then we as a group talked through like, okay, you know, which one of the plans or which parts of which plans did we think 
uh, are the most appropriate for Wisconsin. So I honestly can't sit here and speak specifically to Iowa. I just know that we looked at, I mean, it had to be over 10 at least plans from throughout the country and then looked at that information, kind of made decisions on what we thought would work the best for Wisconsin. What is the Iowa plan, Paul? Um, they they use free and reduced lunch, and, and they put you in divisions based on that, like 40% of your free and reduced lunch. And then from there, when you play like a Team A, if they play another Team A and win, they get a point or whatever. But if Team A plays a Team B, they get a half a point. And then so many points, that's how you get in the football playoff. Now, they don't do a lot for other sports, but football, and I, the only reason I mentioned Iowa play, when I studied it, I'm like, well, you must have to be a rocket scientist to, to figure this out. You might, you might have to hire an accountant to keep track of all the points and where you're going to be. And and I, I just thought it was very complicated. This plan seems like a pretty simplistic plan. And one thing I do love about this plan is the ability to appeal. To, to get to reason to say, listen, this is what's going on with us. Well, hey, the Tom? good news for Wisconsin, Paul, is that because I was a co-chair in the committee, this was going to have nothing to do with rocket science because I'm not that smart. So this was <laughs> going to be the dumb guy's plan. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't reach out to me then to be a part of this thing, if that, if that was what you were looking for. Tom? Two two questions, Jordan. One, would, did, was there a set time frame? of revisiting the numbers like we're where hey we're going to run this for three or five years and then we're going to reevaluate and see if there's any tweaks that we want to make to it um and then two what are the what are the appropriate things that somebody could appeal like what is a reason why somebody could appeal and win an appeal yep so the first question and this was a big part of our communication and and we talked about this at the annual meeting just a few weeks ago uh we never, and, and I would not, um, as one of the leaders of this group, claim that this is perfect. We don't know. We really don't. Um, but uh, one of the components that we built right into the presentation that the committee is, is committed to is that there will be an annual review of the process and what worked, what didn't work. Uh, and I think it's I think it's fair to say, even though I don't have a crystal ball, uh, that you know one year would probably be too quick to make changes. But the notion of two years to give this two years and to see how it's playing out and to then potentially, you know, talk about are there things that we should do or are there things we should tweak um, to try to make this, you know, even more effective potentially. That was widely talked about uh, within the group. So there will be an annual review by the committee and, and, you know, soliciting feedback from the membership to see how this is working. And as I said, I think it's it's fair to say that. Uh, the possibility would exist that you know there could be tweaks made to this every couple of years and in talking to other states that's really been the case in the other states as well i mean there are some that have had plans like this you know for years now a decade or more and, and they have made subtle changes as time goes on just based on things that they realize like yeah that didn't exactly work how we thought it was going to uh, so how do we make a change to that and then relative to the appeal and in, in what would you know potentially qualify you for an appeal. Paul mentioned free and reduced lunch. I mean, that socioeconomics, that, that's a huge one. So if you're a small rural school that just happened to have one good run of athletes, but you're rural and it's not like you're affluent at all, you've got high poverty, well, you're probably going to have a pretty good chance on an appeal uh, because of that factor. 
your your proximity to like a population base that's another one and we hear about that a lot with private schools to be honest you know a small private school that's in lacrosse or that's in wausau well they have access to a lot more population than most schools in their divisions so you know the appeal would would go both ways uh, depending on on what that reality is uh roster composition is your entire roster made up of transfers uh, or is your roster made up of kids that are basically homegrown? Um, so those are some of the factors, but there's actually eight, eight total factors. And I, I don't have it printed out here in front of me. Of course, I, I printed two things and that wasn't one of them. Uh, but those are really the biggest things is roster composition, um, demographic, socioeconomic factors, enrollment trends. Are you a declining enrollment district? Um but yeah, there will be basically a narrative form, and we already have a draft of it, a narrative form, which if you're either requesting to move down or if you're appealing your move up, uh, you'll fill out the same form and it'll be based on the same criteria. Jordan, you already mentioned some of the things that um, you know are, were, were issues that, that you and the committee looked at. And you, know, you mentioned you know, socioeconomic, rural, urban, public, private. Um, you didn't mention open enrollment, but that was something I think you and I kind of talked about uh, prior to this. So were there any issues that were kind of an aha moment for you guys that you looked at and you said, my God, this really, really influences success? W was there just one factor that stood out more than any other? No, not really. Um, so we actually, we worked with Baird Financial. Paul mentioned uh, the Iowa plan and needing an accountant. We hired an accountant to run data for us um, because we weren't that good at stats. Um, so Baird actually ran like 20 years of tournament success data in the state of Wisconsin for our committee. And we we tried to run every you know possible combination of like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Um, and at the end of the day, I do almost think it was a surprise to us as a group that there were not, um, you know, like there was not a smoking gun, like, oh, here's the problem. It's this or this. It wasn't that clear. Um, but what there was in, in, in a couple of cases. So, and once again, this, this just is indicative of, it was not that clear cut, but in, in some sports, um, there was a clear difference at the higher division level. So let's say uh, Division Two. Let's talk football. Division Two, Division Three. Um, at those higher divisions, there was a, a pretty significant difference in success, uh, depending on the socioeconomics in your community. So think highly affluent Division Two. Um, there was a correlation between success if you were highly affluent versus not. Um, but then the other thing that that did, you know, stand out and there was a correlation was in the lower division. So once again, using football as an example, uh, like division four, five, six, um, potentially seven as well, uh, there, there was more success for private schools than there was for public schools. Um, and I know just thinking about some of the information, well, I don't have it memorized. I certainly remember a lot of it. You know, in in other sports, the same thing could be said um, for the lower divisions. Private schools did have more success uh, in the tournament than their public school counterparts did. But just the one thing I want to make sure I say, because I don't want people to listen to this and think, well, 
Jordan's bashing on private schools, uh, because there are a lot of people that just think this is a public-private issue. And I certainly learned through this process it's not. Uh, because while you have some private schools that are very successful, you also have some private schools that have zero success. And the kids at the, those schools to just make this a public-private issue and say, well, because you go to a private school, even though you haven't won a tournament game in five years, you have to be moved up in basketball. That's not what, what's best for those kids either, and that's not what's fair to their school or their school community. Um, but as I said, there, there certainly were instances where you could see that it certainly looked like it was an advantage to be a private school playing in a low division. Um, but the same thing could be said once again in the higher divisions, uh, public schools that have more resources, that have more dollars, that have families with more wealth. Uh, you could see they were more successful than public schools that didn't have that wealth, too. Jordan, I got one more question, then we're going to go to Paul. Um, how did you define affluence? I mean, when you, you know, you're using socioeconomic affluence, how was that defined? Yeah, so, I mean, the one was trying to use free and reduced, and then median income was the other piece that we looked at, because the problem with free and reduced is not all schools have to report that information. Private schools don't have to report that information, but in the community, you can at least look at the median income in the community it's located in. Um, so we looked at both things. It was free and reduced lunch in the schools and then median income in the community. You know, being somebody that has worked with free and reduced lunch in my role of for, for years, I ran the guidance department at Wauwatosa East. And, and we knew at Wauwatosa East that we had more families that could have um, been a part of the free and reduced lunch, but chose not to be. So even mm -hmm. those numbers are not, you know, accurate at times. Paul? I know we've kind of jumped into a lot of questions, but Jordan, could you give us a brief overview? And even Tommy Shinsky, I think, knows a little bit. Could you explain the point system a little bit just briefly? Yep. And that one I did print out because I wanted to make sure I said this correctly here. Um, so for a team that wins a state championship, uh, in this tournament performance factor, uh, you would get four points for winning the state championship. Um, and once again, I'm using football examples here. If you make it to the state championship, you know, there's state runner up, you get three points. If you make it to the state semifinals, the final four, uh, it's two points. And if you make it to level three or the final eight, that's one point. And then how the performance factor works, you need to accumulate um, at least six points in a three-year span uh, to move up a division or to be promoted, if you will. So if you had made it to the state semifinal conceivably three years in a row, that would put you at the six points and could get you promoted. Um, but once again, there would be an opportunity for your school to appeal. Obviously, if you win a state championship, you're in the title game. Um, well, you're at seven already. Um, so you're certainly would be promoted, um, but then have that opportunity for an appeal. And who heals, who hears the appeals? I mean, who, what's the, uh, who is the appeal committee? Like, who are you appealing to? Yep. So the classification committee um, will be the group. So the classification committee is going to be roughly 15 to 20 uh, members, and it's going to be members from from schools. So it'll be principals, athletic directors, superintendents from member schools are going to be a part of this classification committee. 
and they'll hear both the appeals uh, for promotion and they'll also uh, consider the request to potentially move down. Um, but that's that's going to be a committee decision, uh, majority vote of the committee. And it's it's not like it's something that the WIA staff is going to handle. It's going to be this committee. Okay. Jordan, you had you had mentioned you looked at a lot of states, and and I know, and you mentioned Colorado um, and Ohio. What was it about those states that seemed to have what Wisconsin was looking for? Yeah, well, the Colorado plan in particular, because to me, that's what our plan um, most closely mirrors is the Colorado plan. Um, our factors for the request and the appeal, uh, many of them are borrowed from, from what Colorado had in place in their plan. Um, and I guess for me, um, just thinking about the conversations that we had and just, we really tried to make this discussion about kind of common sense. And I've even said before, kind of like the eye test. And I know sometimes people say, well, I don't really agree with his eye, but I prefer my eye. Um, <laughs> But for those of us that have been around sports and, and care about sports and kind of understand the way this works, I think most of us would generally agree with the eye test. And these factors allow schools to kind of state their case in a way that a rational person will look at it and be like, you know what, you just presented, those are really, those are rational reasons for why you don't deserve a promotion. Um you are homegrown kids. You are, I mean, so, so that was a large part of it. Um, Ohio just, there was just certain things with their process um, that we had, had, you know, borrowed as well. Um, but really, like I said, to me, it, it went down to or boiled down to something that we thought that wasn't overly complicated either. And I think that that was a huge factor is we were not trying to make something that was so complicated that no one could understand it. Tom? So with an appeal, let's say that a team accrues six points and they appeal and they win their appeal. What happens to their points? Do they, Are their points, do they just stay at six, but they don't move up? Because what I'm thinking is, and, you know, they appeal, they win, and then they they have a lot of success again the next year. Do their points get reset or do they go back to where they'd have to appeal again type of a situation? Great question, Tom. Uh, they would have to appeal again. So if, if you're successful and you should have been promoted, um, but you appealed that and the classification committee sided with you, uh, on Alaska comes back and kicks butt again the next year, uh, you're gonna have to appeal again. And you know eventually, and this is just Jordan thinking out loud here, uh, it's probably gonna become harder to win appeals if you continue to dominate year after year after year after year. Uh, because some of the criteria you're not going to be able to probably state anymore, uh, even though some may still be valid, if that makes sense. Yeah. Was there any talk of a five-year um, kind of window rather than three? And this is one that I've, you know, Travis Wilson and I both kind of discussed and agreed on, or, or you know, we we both agree on it in terms of like three years can be a generational talent that really puts a program in a, in a certain spot where five years might be a spot where you get a longer picture of of maybe the success that program has over a long term. Was there any talk of of a longer window? There was. Um, I, I would say we we talked three, we talked four, we talked five. 
Um, and I think what we kept going back to, and, and maybe we put too much stock in this, I guess time will tell. Um, but what we put stock in, why we ended up with the three-year is the fact that, that there is the avenue for the appeal. So let's say in, in your case, yeah, the class of, you know, 2024 is has just got a bunch of butt kickers and you've now cleaned house for a couple of years, but you can see the sun setting on the class of 2024 and you're not so sure the next two grades are the same caliber. Um, that certainly, that is a part of that narrative appeal uh, is that, listen guys, we had 35 seniors. Those kids are graduating. Um, you know, our, our JV team was five and four, you know, something of that nature. So there is a potential out uh, for that situation. And I think for us, the thought of of five years, just it seemed like it was such a, a drawn out process to even see some movement. That's why we ended up at three. Paul? Obviously, we all have a football background, but how difficult was it to do all sports? Yeah, it, it certainly was. And this is why for us it was important that we had representatives on our group that were athletic directors, principals, and superintendents because even though I had been an athletic director earlier in my career, I, I certainly have not stayed as in tune with, you know, the brackets and how everything works like athletic directors do. Uh, so Tim Flood from Green Bay, the athletic director there, Tim actually kind of led a subcommittee of the ADs where they actually went through and, and looked at all the sports and, you know, they just know the way the tournaments are set up so well that they basically, they ended up grouping things into two, two groups. It's the bracketed sports and the non-bracketed sports. And then they went through sport by sport and said, you know, depending on where you're at in the tournament, it's still the same four, three, two, one system. But even like the intricacies between cross country and other things, whether it's bracketed or non-bracketed, uh, we had some expert ADs that were able to put that together for us. You know, you mentioned that you went through 20 years of of tournament data. I mean, that to me is just incredible. Um, that is so much information that you looked at. And um, I give credit to, um, you know, the committee uh, to Baird Financials for, you know, being able to put that kind of information together. And I guess I bring that up because, um, I, you know, there's always knee-jerk reactions to things like this. And, you know, if you don't understand the process, and really what we're talking about here is how did this come about? Why in the first place? What did the committee look at? And, and why was the final plan? You know, why does it look like it does? Um, you know, I want to commend you guys on the fact that you really did your homework. I mean, this obviously was a huge undertaking. And the fact that you, you came up with this after all of that work, again, I mean, regardless of, of some of the things that may have gotten back to you, what people have said or whatever, and I know there's some schools that, that have questioned this, you know, but at the same time, nobody can say that you guys didn't do your homework. I appreciate that, Tom. And I mean, yeah, the, the shout out to Baird, because I mean, they they literally had multiple employees working on this um, for weeks um, to try to get all this data together. And 
and to sort it, you know, the right way and to run all the different analysis. And then, I mean, once again, just being brutally honest here, I mean, there was a reason we went back 20 years because that basically coincided with when the the private schools became a part of the WIA. So it's like we wanted to have the most complete picture we possibly could uh, of what that what that history has looked like. Paul? Well, Jordan, some of those meetings must have been pretty intense to get the product that you got where people would question and and just talk about, I mean, you must have had to do a lot of discussion about scenarios and, and the validity of data and all that, because this is a pretty thorough document and pretty thorough plan. And I really thought it needed to be that to pass because I thought it was going to pass, but barely. Yeah, no, I, I guess to the, to the meeting standpoint and what those looked like, um, we invested a lot of time in our first couple of meetings um, just kind of establishing like groundwork and like who we were as people and why we were a part of this and how we were going to work together. And, um, you know, basically said like, we are going to try to do what's best for kids and what we think's best for Wisconsin athletics. But that means we're going to have to, uh, have some tough conversations and from time to time, yeah, things, things got a little emotional. Um, I was, I was amazed uh, a few times where you'd think you had this like pretty well figured out. And then someone would be like, well, what about this? And then you'd all sit there and be like, Oh crap. Like, what are we possibly <laughs> going to do about that? Like yeah. we hadn't thought about that. And then suddenly we'd go down a rabbit hole for 20 minutes. Like, well, what about this? What about this? And that's why I told Tom, I, I didn't want to get what if to death tonight because I feel like I've been what if to death for the last year and a half. Um, and I'm sure we didn't cover everything, um, but yeah, we certainly tried to think about as, as much as we possibly could. And to the vote itself, you know, I had a lot of people before the vote saying, well, what do you think? And having been a part of some referendums and stuff as a district administrator, I thought, you know what, I think it's going to pass just based on the vibe. Um, but I thought it was going to be close. And I remember when they announced the vote at the annual meeting, I was actually sitting next to uh, Michelle, the AD from Tosi East, and I was like, holy crap. And I grabbed my cell phone and quick did the numbers, and I was like, I was like 70% yes. Um, and, and my take on all of this is uh, any issue that's slightly political in the state of Wisconsin at this point, if you can get 70% of the people to say, we're going to give it a try, uh, then I feel like our committee did a pretty good job. Yeah, I, I want to echo that, Jordan. And, uh, you know, I did talk to Michelle um, at length about this. And, um, you know, as she said, you know, you were asked to vote on this. Is this plan, and, and this is all you're voting on, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan, but what you were asked to vote on was, is this plan better than the existing plan that we have? That was it. Like, there was no other factors, correct? So you were like, is this plan better? And people just reacted to that. And, and you know, just based on, again, all the work that you did, um, not just yourself, but Michelle and, and the entire the entire committee, um, you know, you presented, obviously, a, a plan that really struck with, with people. Paul? Um, you know, the other thing is I, I really enjoyed the transparency. Because you put your meet your your meetings online. If people want to check all this out, they can go to the WIA webpage. They can see a lot of things. 
Jordan, this takes place in 2024, correct? Yeah, so it's not for the next school year, um, but it'll be implemented 24-25. Uh, um, but one thing that is important, and we talked about this a lot, um, schools are actually, you know, their points are already being accumulated. So the, the plan can actually start in 24-25 because with the three-year point total, if you waited to start counting points until 24-25, well, you'd be all the way down to like 27-28 before anything actually happened. Um, so yes, the plan gets implemented in 24-25 um, but actually, you know, points have now been accumulated for two years and next year will be the third year of the points. And then the performance factor and requests will take place uh, leading into the 24-25 school year. Jordan, where do we go from here? I mean, you have this plan. Is it just a matter of of waiting until, you know, that very first year that that you you know, implement this plan and people see their point. I mean, people already know what points have accumulated, you know, but mm -hmm. I mean, are you just anxiously awaiting that first year when, when this gets implemented? I, it certainly will be interesting. And one thing I want to say is, I mean, it was not the goal of our committee. Um, we weren't trying to like dramatically reshape the landscape of divisional placement for, for high school sports. I said before, like, the notion of like the eye test and a common sense approach. That was our goal. And once again, schools, most people that are that are rational can can look at the big picture and say, like, no, we don't need to blow everything up. But there are some places where, yes, a, a promotion or even maybe a request to move down a division. That that makes sense for for a few schools. Um so yeah, I think to your question, um, we just need to see where this lands in 24-25, give it a chance for a year or two, and then decide, you know, which elements are working, which elements may need to be adjusted, uh, and then go about it, you know, in a kind of a collaborative way again and and be transparent and communicate like, hey, this didn't go exactly how we thought, and here's one thing we think we can do to make it a little bit better. Um, but I am, you know, anxious and you know, a little bit excited to uh, to see what this does and, and what the actual impact is. And until it plays out, um, there's just, you know, there'll be a lot of speculation, but I, it was not our goal is to like make this huge change to divisional placement for a bunch of schools. Paul? Yeah, so if I'm not mistaken, the appeal process, schools need to be ready for the appeal process rather quickly because they can appeal that first year, correct? They can. Yeah. So the WIA is in the process of finalizing the timeline for all of this, which was one of those things that was like, well, that's easy, guys. Just put together a timeline. Well, until you start factoring all the other timelines with like co-op applications and everything else, that whole piece gets a little more complicated. Um, but yeah, uh, there, there will be things. It'll be happening this school year uh, where schools are appealing promotions or requesting to go down a division because it'll have to happen this school year to then take effect in the 24-25 school year. Jordan, thank you for being a part of the podcast tonight. I can certainly see why uh, you were chosen to to be the co-chair of this and, and knowing Michelle Guy and Holloway at Wauwatosa East like I do, I, I 
I can also tell you, I can see why she was chosen to be a co-chair with yourself. The work that that the two of you and, and your whole committee did um, is fantastic. And you did such a great job tonight um, the, talking the process and, and how things came about. And, and that really was the purpose of this. Um, we hope that you have a great end of the school year. Um, how many how many weeks you got left when you guys get out? Uh, June 7th. And yeah, this uh, this spring has been a whirlwind for me. We talked a little bit uh, pre-podcast that I actually got a new job starting this summer. So I'm moving to Chippewa Falls this summer, still trying to finish up a school year in the, the right way and, and do right by Wisconsin Heights. Uh, so as I have like a half a foot in the door at CESA 10 in Chippewa, I've still got some things I want to make sure I do. Uh, so that and trying to move three kids uh, two and a half hours north. Yeah. Exciting spring, but we'll make it happen. And I have to tell you, I enjoyed my time with your dad today at the Brewer game, um, <laughs> at the WFCA Hall of Fame uh, annual Brewer get together. I can tell you firsthand, he had a really nice time. Hey, Paul and Tom, <laughs> Well, thank you so much again. Your help with this podcast, all the work you guys put into it, is greatly appreciated by me. Uh, the insight that you guys bring and your questioning certainly fills out this this podcast in a great way. And for all our listeners, I always end with this: thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, and if you've got any questions or comments or ideas on things that you would like to see on this podcast. Don't hesitate to reach out to Tom, Paul, or myself. We are very interested in what you have to say. And with that, I'd like to say good night, everyone, and have a great rest of the week.